Hey y'all, before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry that I haven't been uploading very regularly in October. I had such big plans for this month, and then we had two unexpected deaths in my family within a week of each other, and I just needed some time off to process. Also, I had every intention of doing an Over the Garden Wall episode, and I was really excited for it. I had a guest and everything, and then the audio for that episode is wrecked beyond anything that I can fix. So between audio issues for that episode and deaths in my family, October has not been a great month for podcasting. So anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for being patient with me, as I haven't been uploading the way that I wanted to, but hopefully this episode will give you some fun Halloween specials to watch before Spooky Month is officially over. So with that all out of the way, let's get this episode going. Happy Spooky Month, and happy Saturday, or whenever it is to all of you listeners and lovers of cartoons. Welcome to Kelby's Cartoon Corner, the show where all October long we'll be discussing the best of Halloween cartoons. From creepy cartoons to Halloween specials, and by we, I mean me, Kelby, alone in my bedroom, so I don't have to kick my roommate out of the house every time that I record. This week we're discussing some of my personal favorite Halloween-themed episodes of cartoons. That's it. Not a whole lot of introduction is needed for this episode, let's just jump right in. So if it is Saturday when you're listening, I hope you have some comfy pants and spooky snacks. I mean, regardless of what day it is, I hope you have comfy pants and snacks, but you know, especially if it's Saturday. But no matter what day it is, get comfy, grab a snack, and let's get spooky. I have a list written down, and I'm going to go over these episodes in no particular order, and then I also have some spooky show recommendations in case you're still feeling spooky in November, or because the day that this podcast episode will release will be actual Halloween, so happy Halloween to all y'all listening. First up, I want to say that I wanted to talk about the Amphibia Halloween special because I was super excited that I got to see it. We don't have cable, but we went to Chicago for the weekend, so I got to see it on that Saturday that it aired. Um, I missed the first, like, three minutes of it, but I got you know, I got the gist. Uh, I wanted to talk about it, but I know that there might be some people like me who don't have cable and are waiting to watch season two in its entirety when it comes to Disney+. Plus. So out of respect for my fellow non-cable havers, I won't talk about that, but I will say that the redone theme song slaps. At least look that up on YouTube, because you owe it to yourself to listen to the spookified Amphibia theme song. It's great. So instead of geeking out about my newest animation obsession, I want to instead focus on a pre-established obsession, which is regular show. Before Terror Tales, there was an episode where Mordecai and Rigby come up with the idea to put on a scary movie uh, to make money for the park. This episode is called Grave Sites. It's season two, episode 19, in case you're just curious. Um, Benson tells everybody at the morning meeting that the park needs ideas to raise more money. Uh, the golf cart needs repairs. The old cemetery is falling into disarray and the steps coming into the house are disintegrating because Muscle Man falls through them during the morning meeting. It's very fun. Uh, so Benson is asking for suggestions, if anybody has any, to help raise money for the park. Uh, Muscle Man wants to put on a sporting event, Pops wants to have a bake sale, and Skip suggests that they put on a concert, but Mordecai and Rigby insist that they should have a scary movie night in the old cemetery in the park, and Benson agrees with their idea, but he says that they're in charge of getting the word out and picking the movie, and everybody else has their own jobs, but that's Mordecai and Rigby are in charge of getting the word out and making sure that people actually come to this thing. So the movie they pick is a foreign film called Zombocalypse 3D, and it's also the director's cut, so there's a bunch of extra footage and stuff. But because it's foreign, the movie is only available on this weird tape. It's called a Zetamax uh, 3D. So they have to also rent a special projector. And, uh, side note, we watched this episode... Well, I watched this episode while Madison was also in the living room with me. I don't know if she was actually watching. But I asked her... Because she used to work at a video rental place. And I asked her if she remembered when uh, you used to be able to go into, like... We had a blockbuster in our town, but I we always went to family video. So I asked her if she ever, uh, like, if she remembered when you could rent, like, VCRs and, like, you used to be able to rent uh, game consoles at, like, video rental places. And I asked her if she ever did it. And she said that anytime that anybody came into the store and asked if they had, like, an Xbox to rent, she'd be like, mm, no, it's out because it's, like, it was a really complicated process to rent it out to somebody. And she was like, nah. <laughs> 
but also my parents uh when they were in like high school or like fresh out of high school was like right when vhs was getting like super popular so they would go there was like a squad of i don't know like seven or eight of them i think and they would send like two of them to like the store to get snacks and then they would send the rest of them to the video store to rent the vcr and then a selection of several movies and just like what a time to be alive man when you had to go rent a vcr like i don't remember renting a vcr ever but i do remember um i think before i had an n64 my dad and i would rent an n64 and banjo tui from our local family video and like i played banjo tui before i played banjo kazooie because of that because we always rented no maybe we owned banjo tui and we rented banjo kazooie i don't remember but we owned one and we rented the other one but i feel like it was backwards so anyway that was off topic i just they had to also rent this projector and that's what got me spiraling on that thought so back in to the script um scary movie night arrives and they have a really good turnout so they start the movie but then rigby gets really scared and when mordecai like goes to shake him to snap him out of it they knock the projector over and they pop the tape out so they scramble to get it put back up and running before everybody leaves and rigby like first of all he like blows on the tape but he goes and he like spits on it real hard and mordecai's like dude why'd you spit on it and he's like i don't know i was panicking and so they like shove he shoves the tape in and he shoves it in upside down and so they like slam the thing shut and then mordecai's like oh dude you put it in upside down so he takes it and he puts it in the right way and they slam it shut and then everything's cool so they plug the projector back in and then it like oh no that's when they shove the tape in upside down that's why it happens he like shoves the tape in upside down they like push the button to get it to play and it's like eh, 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 and it like shoots all this like green lightning and stuff and then that's when mordecai is like dude you put the tape in upside down so he takes it out and then he puts it in the right way but by then this lightning is already shot out of this projector so so it like shot all these headstones in the old cemetery in the middle of the park. So something is about to go down. Um, so it creates a bunch of real zombies. Also, the movie is in 3D. Like I said that the it was a Zetamax 3D tape, but the movie is in 3D. So everybody's wearing the like old red and blue 3D glasses, like Spy Kids 3D. Yo, I own Spy Kids 3D on DVD, and it came with little 3D glasses, and we watched that movie so much that, like, all of our, all of the 3D glasses that are in with that DVD are, like, taped with several layers of scotch tape to, like, hold the earpieces on, because otherwise you have to just, like, sit and watch the movie, like pressing these things up to your face because if you've ever like been well if you've ever seen like an old 3d movie where you had to wear the red and blue glasses and you like take your glasses off in the middle of the movie everything is real distorted and like weirdly purple because it's like mixing the blue and red together it's real weird so anyway everybody's wearing these 3d glasses and real zombies start trying to attack everybody so all the guys except benson like everybody is just working like the concession stand or whatever and benson is the only one that's actually watching this movie and he it, like everybody just thinks that it's part of the movie that like the 3d effect is so good on this like janky projector and these red and blue 3d glasses that like the movie is so good that it looks like they're really coming off the screen so it like the scene plays out really cool because they're doing stuff in time to the movie like a rocky horror show but with danger and zombies so they finally defeat all the zombies just as the end of the movie wraps up and the crowd cheers actually what the end of the movie sees a guy uh driving his car into like a i don't know what the like term is for like a group of zombies like a a gaggle of zombies i don't know he like drives his car into all of the can you hear the can you hear the tablecloth on my desk? <laughs> they He drives his car into a gaggle of zombies, and as they he is doing that in the movie, Mordecai and Rigby are driving the golf cart into a very large zombie, like John Strongman. I don't remember what his name was. It said on the tombstone, but I don't remember what it was. And so they run the golf cart into the zombie, and then it, like, lights the sheet that they were using for the projector on fire, and then it, like 
and it like disintegrates and everybody stands up and is like oh my god that was the best thing I've ever seen and like everybody else is like sitting in the corner like dying because they just spent like two full hours fighting off a gaggle of zombies I'm gonna continue to say a gaggle of zombies until somebody tells me otherwise so it like it goes off really well they make a ton of money and then they get done and Benson's like oh my gosh that was the best thing ever he said we're doing it again tomorrow night exactly the same and then Mordecai and Rigby are like hmm okay well that's not gonna happen <laughs> and then that's kind of how the that's that's how the episode ends so also after I got done typing this I looked and apparently that episode aired in May so it's not technically a Halloween episode but it fits the vibe so I'm including it in this podcast episode because it's it's spooky there was another one the very first episode of season two is like Rigby getting scared by a like, they rent a scary movie, and he gets scared and thinks that this, like, taxi cab that's possessed by a British guy is coming to, like, take him in the night or something. And I that one honestly feels a little bit more Halloween than this one did, but that's okay. A gaggle of zombies is still appropriate for Halloween. Okay, so moving on to the next uh, show. Does anybody remember All Grown Up, the spin-off sequel series to the Rugrats? Because I feel like I belong to a small group of people who actually really like this show. Um, it seems like the show gets a lot of crap. Like, I love the original Rugrats, but I also really like All Grown Up. Like, I think it's just as good. I don't have any arguments to defend that statement, but just that is my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. I like All Grown Up. I really like the special that they did to kind of, like, tease this idea that, um, it was called All Growed Up, and the, all the little kids, like, got stuck in the closet, and then they, like, went forward in time, like, ten years or something like that. I don't remember how old the kids are supposed to be in All Grown Up, but that was how they teased it. And it was really cool, and I really liked that special, and then I really liked All Grown Up. I, th I don't, I think it went on for, like, four seasons, it was kind of short, but it was, you know, it it ran its run, ran its race. I don't know what I'm trying to say. So anyway, I feel like the show gets a lot of crap, and it's actually quite good, in my opinion. Uh, I wanted to do a whole episode on this show, but I can't find it anywhere except Prime. Like, I can't find a DVD box set anywhere. Like, I can't find... I think I found one used VHS tape of like the middle four episodes of season three on Amazon one time and I was like mm, no that's that's really not what I want yo I want the full show <laughs> so it's on Prime but I'm not about to pay eight dollars a season just to watch it so I decided that I was just going to pay $1.99 to watch one episode because I remembered it being very spooky. Again, not necessarily Halloween themed, but spooky, and since I might not get a chance to discuss the whole show, I'm at least going to squeeze this episode in, because I... This is another... Okay, like, back when uh, Netflix was transitioning from, like, exclusively mail-in, like, DVD service where they would, like, send you a DVD in the mail and then you'd send it back when you were done with it. They were transitioning into the... Well, okay, I guess first it was, like, the mail-in and you but you could, like, only watch it on your computer because, like, smart TVs weren't a thing yet. So you, like, okay, they were transitioning into... It was, like, when my family first got Netflix and it was, like, lit. All the best stuff was on there. There was, um, SpongeBob was on there avatar the last airbender was on there uh all grown up was on there it was like a lot of old nick shows and i think possibly as told by ginger was also on netflix but i don't know that one for sure but i for sure remember avatar spongebob and uh all grown up so i just i miss that yo i miss just like having those available also there was a show on I don't even remember what network it was on. It was either like NBC. I don't. I don't think it was NBC. It was something. It was called Warehouse 13, and my parents and I watched that show religiously, like every week. And now I want to rewatch that show, but I can't find it anywhere. But it used to be on Netflix again back when my family first got Netflix. That was like the golden age, yo. <laughs> I love all the original content that Netflix is putting out. Don't hear me. Like, don't mishear me saying that. I just miss when I could find like all the shows that I really enjoy watching like from back in the day on Netflix. I miss that. Okay, so now that I'm done with my little like side rant about how good Netflix used to be because they had Nickelodeon shows on there, um, 
So this episode of All Grown Up is called Interview with a Campfire, and it is, oh crud, I think it's season two, episode one, because I like googled it and it said season two, episodes five and six, like it was a two-part episode, and so I looked at like season two, episode five, and that was not the right episode, so it's actually whatever, it's either, it's either season two or season three, but it's definitely episode one, uh, so, again, it's on Prime if anybody is interested in watching this episode. Uh, this episode centers around the gang and their families going to Camp Everwood for the last week of the summer. Also, just a quick little side note, I aspire to have a tight-knit squad like this. Like, all the adults are friends, so all the kids grow up being friends, and I just love the vibe of this whole series. Like, the same was true of the original, uh, like, the Rugrats series, because, again, all the adults are friends, so all the kids just, like, spend time together, but now they're older, and they're, like, in school, and they have the choice to be friends with other kids, but they're, like, their main squad is each other. I think, like, maybe Lil and Kimmy have, like, some other girlfriends and stuff, but, like, definitely all the dudes, like, they're all just friends with each other, like, this is it. Um, I feel like Tommy has another friend who is, like, also into, like, filmmaking like he is, but, okay, again, we're getting off track. I need to, we need to focus. So, uh, they all pile into this bus, which I also love. Like, Betty DeVille is driving this bus, and they just, like, where did they get this bus? Did they rent this bus? Does Betty just, like, own a school bus? Is it the school bus that Grandpa Lou drives for school? Because Grandpa Lou is their bus driver for, like, when they go to school. Actually, I don't know that that's, like, in the actual run of All Grown Up, but in the special All Grown Up from, like, the, when they teased it with the original Nick, sh the original Rugrats show, uh, Grandpa Lou was their bus driver. So I hope that that's where they got this bus. Otherwise, I just have a lot more questions. Like, where did Betty get this bus? Why do they have this bus? Where else are they taking this bus? Like, is this just their, like, giant road trip vehicle? Yo, honestly, goals. I would love that. Let's all pool our money together and just buy a bus. So, anyway, uh, they're heading to Camp Everwood for the last week of the summer. I guess it's, like, a camp for families because they're not the only ones here. Like, the way that they set it up is, like, they're going camping, not going to camp. Like, those are, those are two different things. So, again, I assume it's just a, like, a camp for families, but really unclear. Uh, they unload, and the camp director announces that all week they'll be practicing the musical that he wrote, and I didn't write down the name of the musical, but it's based on the history of the camp. So, I'm trying really hard to scroll while I'm doing this, and it's not working. So, back in the 1800s, a group of settlers heading west got caught in a blizzard. The group sent three people ahead to try and get supplies, but a few weeks later, their horse and wagon came back with no one inside. The rest of the settlers went missing, but somehow a story got spread around that they all turned into zombies. In the middle of the campground is a giant rock shaped like a head, and the rumor of the camp is that if you go up there during a full moon, you'll also get turned into a zombie if you don't come back by midnight. Basically, the Donner Party, with a little less can- well, a lot less cannibalism because this was a cartoon on Nickelodeon in 2004 so like Donner Party-esque but they didn't eat each other they all just went insane which is honestly the preferred like way to go honestly I'd much rather go insane than like eat a person but that's just me so <laughs> I can't really seem to gather the theme of this camp is it supposed to be like a theater camp because other than Chucky trying to discover some hidden skill that he thinks that he has no one is really doing any camping activities um I mean I guess they all go on a hike one day but still it feels like this camp is just theater camp for families but I'm, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing I'm just saying that I don't understand the vibe so while everybody is focusing on the play because the director's cousin's friend who walks dogs for a casting director is coming to opening night. The kids discuss the story of the history of the camp. Before coming to camp, uh, Tommy and the gang had been trying to make a horror movie, but they couldn't get the tone right because every time they did something silly, uh, not silly, anytime they did something scary, Lil would laugh and Tommy's like, mm, nah, this, this, ain't it, this ain't it, dude, so we gotta do something else. So, Dill makes friends with a weird kid named Bean, who we were introduced to when they all came to camp 
but he hasn't really said much since then. Honestly, he doesn't say a lot in general. He's just kind of, like, weird. He just doesn't speak very much. So, one night, while they're all trying to sleep, Tommy and Dill talk about how weird it is that their cabin is always so cold, almost like there's air conditioning in the cabin. And Dill says that it's because there are ghosts haunting the camp. And later that night, Tommy hears something, and when he gets up to go check it out, he runs out into the woods, and he almost gets knocked over by a horse-drawn wagon with no one inside. So that like freaks him out a little bit so the next day he goes to tell everybody about his weird encounter and he suggests that they all go into the woods to try to figure out if the legend is true it's the last night of camp so this is their last shot tommy says that it'll be the perfect setting for his horror movie and that they should be back in plenty of time to make their performance at the dress rehearsal that afternoon, Stu Pickles, Tommy and Dill's dad, messes up the choreography, causing Phil and Lil's dad to crash into him, and they bust a hole in the set. Uh, the director tells them that they're cut from the show and replaces them with random people who have no idea what's going on. So this is just turning out to be a lovely musical. It's going to be a great show. Um, Actually, what happens is, again, like, yeah, uh, Stu messes up the choreography because he, d he has no idea what's going on. So, like, he doesn't move in the right direction, and then Howard trips over him. So, what the director actually says is for Stu to go practice his step ball change, and then he actually, he replaces Howard, who, like, this is not his fault in the slightest. Like, Stu is the one who doesn't know what's going on. Howard was doing the right dance moves. He just was, Stu was just in the way, so he crashed into him. So, whatever. So, Howard got fired unjustly justice for Howard. <laughs> so in the chaos of everybody arguing, the kids run away into the woods and as they're walking, they run into Stu, Howard, and Charlotte, who is, uh, oh crud, what's her name? Angelica. It's Angelica's mom. Uh, the adults, they got fired from the musical. Well, okay, again, Stu is supposed to go practice his dancing. Howard actually did get fired and Charlotte quit because she, her part that she's playing in the musical is the town idiot and she tried to change it to the town idiot savant so that like she didn't seem like like the town idiot and the director did not like that. So she was like, you know what? No, I'm a, whoo, I just about swore right there. <laughs> she said, you know what? No, I'm a go... I'm gonna go not do this. And so I think they just replaced, again, they just replaced her with a random person who doesn't know what's going on. So the adults say that they're gonna tag along just to get away. Also, there's a rumor that under the rock shaped like a face is a natural hot spring. So Charlotte is coming to possibly take a hot bath. But I mean, that's really the only reason that she's into this. Otherwise she would just be back at the camp, but she is really looking forward to a bath. So that's why she's coming. So they all set off. So they all set off, and Bean, the creepy kid who barely speaks, is leading the way towards the rock shaped like a face, and Tommy films the whole thing. A few of the characters are still in their costumes from the musical, so that kind of adds to some fun atmosphere for the whole thing. Um, I don't remember what exactly happens, but something scares the adults, and they all try to dip and leave these kids alone in the woods like they didn't spend an entire movie looking for them when they got lost in the woods as toddlers. Yo! I, we were, again, this is, I was watching this with Madison, and I, like, I had to pause the the, I had to pause the episode that we were watching because I was like, they just tried to leave these kids like they didn't just spend a whole movie like several years ago looking for their toddlers that were lost in the woods. Like Dill was literally like less than a week old. Like their infant son and their toddlers are just lost in the woods. And Angelica is also lost, but she's like four. Not that that's any better, but like <laughs> everybody was just lost. And these parents were like, oh, we got to find our kids. And then like now they're scared and they're like, you know what? No, y'all have fun you're 12 you've got this like have fun with your camera and this creepy kid who doesn't speak we'll see y'all later bruh <laughs> what's going on so anyway that was my that was my little rant about why that doesn't make any sense so bean finds a path that leads them right under the rock shaped like a face and when they get super close and stop for a second they notice that Stu is missing so they split up to go look for him but they can't find him and when they meet back under the rock charlotte thinks that she hears running water and she goes running to find it and howard chases after her so now the kids are all alone in the woods but like they left for legitimate reasons like Stu is straight up missing and then charlotte was like bye i'm gonna go take a bath and then howard's like wait we can't leave the kids so now they're all gone for like a legitimate reason and not just because ooh, a possum jumped out of the bush i don't know I, again i don't remember what it was that scared the adults but something scared them and now they're gone for legitimate reasons so they're walking along uh trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing and something pops out of the bushes and chucky gets scared and he climbs a tree uh, the whole time that they've been at camp he's been trying to find a skill 
any kind of skill. And Tommy is really quick to point out that climbing that fast is a skill. And I just want to say that Tommy is a really good friend to Chucky. And I really appreciate that. So Chucky climbs down out of the tree. And as he's coming down, his hand slips in like a little hole and he grabs, he's like grabbing for anything. And he thinks it's a branch, but it's actually a journal. So the next scene of the show sees them all sitting around as Lil reads from the journal. It was written by the settlers that the play uh, was based on. And I just want to say that the play is surprisingly historically accurate. And I don't know how that happened because if this journal has been in this tree for like 110 years, how did the... How did the, like, director of the play know what was happening? Well, because, because the rumors are true. That the, you know, everything that happened to the settlers is true. And we have evidence of that now. Um, also, I want to pause for a second because while this scene was happening, it made me think of, oh crud. Uh, I'm going to pause for a second and go grab this book. Okay, I'm back. So, uh... The scene where Lil is, well, they're all sitting around, but Lil is reading from the journal. Um, there is a book that I read every, I usually start in September and it usually takes me like through, uh, like the end of September into like October to finish reading it. Uh, but I read it like every spooky season. Like I've literally read it every year since I was in high school. Like the, like it's, the binding is coming undone. Uh, like the front two pages are missing, but like it, this is my favorite book. It scares me every time I read it. It's very good. Um, it's called Project 17 by Lori Faria Stallers, I assume. Um, again, I read it, I read it every year and every year it scares me, but okay. That is about a group of kids who, uh, there's a kid in high school who wants to enter a filmmaking contest. And the way that he thinks that he's going to win is by filming in an old abandoned insane asylum that they're getting ready to tear down like in the next couple of weeks. So he gathers a bunch of kids from his class and they sneak in in the middle of the night to film. Uh, they're just, they're just supposed to like be there for a night. They're supposed to go like exploring and stuff. And then they end up finding an old journal from one of the patients that was, she was like 17 years old. Her parents just like, well, her, not her parents. She was in foster care, but like they just dumped her here and left basically left her to rot. So it's like they read this journal and they learn her story and then they go through the hospital like finding all these different like landmarks and stuff like that and it's really really good. So if you have a chance to read that book again Project 17 by Lori Hello. Oh crud. I threw the book too far away. But anyway, it's called Project 17. I'll post a picture of it on my Twitter. My copy is very old and ragged, but it's it's still readable. So I highly recommend that book if you're looking for something spooky to read as opposed to watch, if that's something that you're into. Um, but yeah, that scene in the show made me think of that, like, scene from the book, and it's it's very good. So, uh, the kids decide that they're not leaving the woods until they find their parents, and Chucky finds a tree that's fallen over, so he climbs in it and he slips into a hole, um... Sorry, I was choking. Um, I, I just want to say that the way that they animated this looks very funny. Like, not, like, crazy, like the animation is messed up or anything like that. It's literally just, like, you see Chucky, and then all of a sudden he's just like, and he's gone. And, like, I'm sure if you watch the frame by frame, you would see where he would, he was, like, falling into this hole. But just, like, watching it at a regular speed, he's just, like, there, and then all of a sudden he isn't. Like, he literally just vanished. But it also, you can kind of see, like, his mouth moving, and I don't know if that's an animation error where, like, something was put, like, he was supposed to be screaming or something. Because he literally just, like, opens his mouth, and then you could just see his body go, and he just falls. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's very funny. I made Madison watch that several times. I watched it several times, and then I, like, she wondered what I was doing. So I was like, watch this. This, watch Chucky fall into this hole. So, okay, <laughs> we're coming back in. Um, actually, he doesn't fall into a hole. He falls into an old mining tunnel. And so the rest of the gang, again, this is like, they just jump into this hole to join him. Okay, so Chucky climbs over this tree and then he falls into what appears to be a hole, but he's like hanging on by like a branch of the tree. And he's like, what am I going to fall into if this branch breaks or if I let go? And everybody's like, mm, I don't know, bro, we can't really help you. And then the branch snaps and he just falls like what sounds like, like 200 feet into the ground. And then 
everybody else except Bean. Bean, like, walks very calmly into- but, like, literally everybody else, like, Dill, like, full-on cannonballs into this pit. Like, yo, <laughs> first of all, y'all about to snap your legs, and then what are you gonna do? You're gonna be stuck at the bottom of a mining tunnel with broken legs. Anyway. They're walking through, they're walking through the tunnels and they hear voices, which freaks them out, but they go to investigate and it turns out that all the adults also fell into this old mining tunnel and when they join back up, the kids explain that they found an old journal and when Lil hands it over, an old picture falls out and Dill picks it up and shows everybody and in the picture is Bean, the kid who has basically been leading them on this entire expedition. So it turns out that he was one of the dead settlers this whole time and he was just leading them on this journey to set the record straight about what happened to them and yo honestly i think the first time that i saw this episode i was like i don't remember when my parents first got netflix i want to say like 18 like i was old enough to like not be spooked by a cartoon like this and now i'm 25 and we watched it last night and i had trouble sleeping yo because just the thought of that is very scary it was it's it's very well executed and even like honestly like even watching it several times and like knowing what the twist is going to be at the end it's still very spooky just like I, like eerie not necessarily spooky but just like the feeling that like you know what's happening and it just ugh. <laughs> i don't like it i do like it because it's very well done but it's it's spooky but that's the whole point is I'm talking about spooky episodes of shows. So, so the gang all heads back to camp and they arrive just in time for the finale of the musical. Um, the musical is kind of a B story of this whole thing. The whole time the kids are in the woods, we flash back and forth to the musical happening as they're like trying to piece together a cast because three of them are gone. Uh, it's not great, but honestly, considering that they only had a week to produce an entire show, it could have been a lot worse. Um, a lot of them, like, didn't know their lines, but, like, yo, you've got, like, literally five days to memorize these lines, so, like, I don't blame you for having cheat sheets on your arms and stuff. Props. <laughs> so the next morning they all pack up and they head home and Tommy asks if anybody else noticed that their cabin wasn't super cold that morning. Dill says that the spirits of the settlers have moved on, so no more ghosts. Um, honestly, I don't feel like I sold that as well as I could have. When I typed this out, I didn't think that it was going to be all that great, but I'm really okay with the way that I just presented that. So um, we're going to, I have a whole paragraph here about how I don't think that I did that right, but I'm going to skip that because I think I did a pretty okay job. So, our next episode is about Danny Phantom, and y'all already know that I love Danny Phantom, and honestly, the whole show just gives it a spooky vibe, because it's all, like, ghosts and stuff. Uh, it's perfect for Halloween, but this episode specifically is the Danny Phantom Halloween special, and I remember seeing the commercials for this uh, when it was supposed to be airing on Nick leading up to Halloween. It was supposed to be a really big deal, and it was cool honestly i feel like i think i saw like all of the previews and stuff like leading up to it and then the night that it aired i think i missed it so but that's okay because i've seen this show in its entirety like eight or nine times since the airing of that show so we're good it was just that one time that i missed that one very special episode but that's okay so uh hello Okay, I skipped a whole paragraph. Like, I was just, like, into the story, and I was like, that doesn't feel like where I'm starting. Okay, so, in this episode, Danny and Dash are competing to see who can design the scariest room for a haunted house, and whoever loses gets detention because Mr. Lancer caught them fighting in the hallway. So Danny tries to come up with a bunch of different ideas, but none of them really seem to have a wow factor. Sam finds an old book that talks about the Fright Night, the spirit of Halloween. One slash with his sword sends that person into a dimension to live their greatest fears. And in the book is a map, and Danny notices that it's very similar to the map that he's been making of the Ghost Zone. So he decides that he'll do a Fright Night themed room and go snatch the sword for some extra pizzazz. So Halloween night finally comes, and Mr. Lancer is judging both rooms. Dash puts together a spa of death, and he has a like a whole ride through the middle of it and danny has some rubber spiders on springs strings not springs <laughs> so danny goes into the ghost zone to get the sword and when he takes it out of the pumpkin that it's sitting in it frees the fright knight uh danny races out of the ghost zone just in time to shut the gate behind him but the fright knight literally just goes yeah and just like pries these doors open which honestly i mean 
the Fright Night is surprisingly strong, but, like, it, it makes me wonder if, like, any other ghost could just be, like, yeet, and just, like, open the portal to the ghost zone, which, like, if that's the case, what's the point of even having that portal? Like, what's the point of having the doors on it if the ghost can just, like, open it whenever they want to? So, that's fine. <laughs> when Danny takes the sword into his haunted house broom, he jams it into the floor, and that causes a bunch of scary stuff to start happening just in time for Mr. Lancer to come in and judge his broom. Uh, the rubber spiders turn real, and the Fright Knight comes in and takes the sword from the spot where Danny stuck it. When Danny and the Fright Knight are fighting, Sam is flipping through her book trying to find a weakness, and the book gets slashed by the sword, along with Tucker and Mr. Lancer. Turns out Mr. Lancer is very afraid of math, and Tucker is afraid of a world with no technology, but not only is he, like, he's on this abandoned island with no technology but, like, a pencil and paper, but he's also, like, in his underwear for some reason, and I don't know what that has to do with anything, because, like, he's not, it's not like he's, like, naked in public, he's just, like, in his underwear on a deserted island with no technology. And that just seems like a very specific fear for Tucker to have. But that's neither here nor there. So Sam sorts through the ripped pages and she finds a rhyme that says, In order to stop the Fright Knight, his sword must be sheathed in a pumpkin. So Danny is able to overpower the Fright Knight. They stick his sword in a pumpkin and everything goes back to normal. Mr. Lancer declares Danny the winner, but Danny owns up and tells Mr. Lancer that he cheated by using his parents' ghost hunting gear to make his room seem more scary. Um... Because, again, he can't tell Mr. Lancer what actually happened because that would include revealing his secret that he is, in fact, the ghost boy. And that is no bueno right now. We don't do that until the very end of the show when it when it's necessary to literally save the world. But, okay. Uh, so the end of this episode sees Danny having to eat Dash's underwear because they had a side bed. And honestly, Dash's terms were way harsher than Danny's were, but whatever. So Danny has to eat Dash's gross underwear after just having saved the world. The life of a teen ghost is not an easy one. Also, I really wanted to talk about the Halloween episode of The Fairly Odd Parents, but I can't find it anywhere, and I can't remember exactly what happens because it's been forever since I saw that, so I won't talk about the full episode, but that song that Timmy sings is on YouTube, so definitely add that to your spooky playlist because it's very catchy. So since I couldn't find Scary Godparents, I settled for an episode of Jimmy Neutron. I know there's an episode where they sneak into Retroland after dark to find some sort of ghost that's supposed to haunt the place, but I didn't think about that episode until I'd already decided to watch this other one, which is honestly a lot less creepy, but a lot more fun. Uh, also, I just, okay, before I get into this, this, uh... This is the second episode in a grouping of two, and the very f the first episode in this uh, set of two is the episode where the kids and the parents are competing in the parent is it parent child picnic it's something like that and they have like all these like sporting events and stuff that the kids and the parents have to work together to like win, and uh, I just like. I don't I don't know what it is like it's not that the animation of the show doesn't necessarily hold up it's just that it's weird like there's a scene where uh it's like zoomed out on the like grounds where they're supposed to have this picnic and whatever and all these parents and stuff are walking around and I think it's just like the walking animation that they use for these characters it's just it's very like lumbering and like the way that they're animated they're kind of like a 3d like somewhere in between like a like a full 3d animated character and like a claymation it's like some sort of mesh of the two of them and just like the way that they walk it makes it it like kind of they're like lumbering and it makes it look like they don't have any sort of like bones or anything it's just it's kind of weird but like after a little after watching it for a little bit you kind of just get used to the way that the characters move at least in like like close up when it's like jimmy and his friends walking around you don't notice it but like when it's zoomed out on a large crowd of people and they're just milling around or whatever you can really tell that like the animation is like not like sketch i don't know what to say it's just it's weird when there's like a big group of people and they're moving around because it doesn't feel like they have any sort of like structure to them they're just like wacky waving inflatable inflatable arm guys but like not not that wavy but like their leg it's mostly their legs it's like their legs and their torsos are just like and like I, again i don't like i don't know how to explain it without you like seeing what i'm doing <laughs> but like just know that it looks kind of weird okay in, into this episode. I wanted to say something about that, so I'm, that, I'm saying it. 
now I'm gonna come back into my script. So this episode is called Sleepless in Retroville and it follows Jimmy, Carl, and Sheen having a sleepover. Jimmy has created a machine called the Slumbertron 9000 and it creates the perfect pillows for pillow fights, delivers pizza, and tells scary stories. So the boys kick off the night with pillow fights and then they eat a giant pizza with like anchovies and hot fudge. They put a lot of really gross stuff on this pizza. And then they turn on the scary story mode, but it ends up uh, being too scary, so they turn it off. Carl wakes up in the middle of the night, and he is hungry, so he messes... <laughs> Why did I say that like that? He is hungry. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, so he's hungry, and he tries... To... I'm gonna say... I'm gonna keep saying the sentence over and over again. Uh, so he messes with the machine, and he tries to create a pizza. But, like, he... The keyboard looks like it's about eight different keys on it, and Carl just pushes every button individually, and he's like, I want pizza. Love, Carl. And then he, like, goes... And he pushes all the buttons at one time, then like throws the lever, and uh, the machine is like, Meh. and so it like shakes and it's like rumbling. And so uh, Carl wakes up Jimmy, um, but Jimmy can't do anything to the machine because Carl jammed it because he pushed all the buttons at once. So eventually a pizza pops out of the machine, and Carl's like, oh my gosh, I did it! And then they like open the lid for the pizza, but it's not just a pizza, it's a pizza monster. <laughs> Because it combined the uh, pizza program with the scary story program. So now it's like a scary story pizza. And, uh... Uh, okay, so Jimmy's mom keeps trying to tell Hugh to go downstairs and tell the boys to be quiet, and eventually he does, and he peeks his head out of the door, asking them to keep it down, and when he goes back to bed, Jimmy's mom asks what's going on, and he's like, oh, it's nothing, the boys are just being chased by giant slices of flying pizza, and then he, like, puts his hands on the bed, and that's when they both look at each other like... <laughs> they're like that's not right that's not a normal thing that should be happening and so they uh they like leave their bedroom very quietly uh at this point the the pizza is no longer one pizza it's like split itself into three pieces each piece of pizza is chasing a boy around the house so jimmy's parents come downstairs and the machine also combine the pillow fighting program with the scary story program so jimmy's parents are being chased by evil pillows it's very fun so eventually the boys uh and i don't know how but like somehow they all converge and then they just run into the living room closet and they like shut themselves in and they're scrambling to try to figure out how to defeat the monster and jimmy remembers that in the story that they listened to for like 30 seconds before they got too scared uh the monster is afraid of the sun so jimmy uses a flashlight and carl's glasses to make the monster think that the sun is coming up and then they trap him in a pizza box when the sun finally comes up for real they take the monster outside in the sun and like kill him i guess that's kind of dark but that doesn't matter because it was all carl's dream no it was hugh's dream no wait it was jimmy's dream no it was sheen's dream no yo it was all the monster's dream how much of this is the monster's dream was it just the part after the boys fell asleep or is all of retroville in the mind of some weird pizza monster cue the twilight zone theme song I just think this is, this episode is really fun. I also kind of wish that I had watched the episode where they find the ghost in Retroland, but I will save that for another day. Because the ghost of Retroland, I don't remember what it is, he's like eight foot tall and he has a leg made of salami. So like, everybody at school is talking about this and then it it's like Nick and the cool kids dress up and then Jimmy, I, I think it's Jimmy... And Carl and Sheen also dress up as, like, a monster. And then Libby and Cindy also dress up as a monster. And so they keep, like, they keep, like, Jimmy and Hit Fred and company will be, like, walking around the park. And they'll, like, discover another monster. And they're like, wait a second. This isn't right. And then at the end, it's revealed that there really is a monster. But it's, like, it's not really a monster. Isn't it, like, Goddard? I don't remember. I don't remember. There's, like, a twist at the end. But it's, like, they make it seem like it really is a monster. And then it, like, they take off. No! Is it Jimmy's mom? I think it's Jimmy's mom. I don't remember. I really wish that I had watched that episode now that I'm talking about it. Do you mean his salami leg, her salami leg, their salami leg, or Carl's shoes? He's, like, supposed to smell like salami. I don't know. That's, like, the only thing I remember from that episode. So, now we get to talk about the episode of a show that inspired me to do this whole episode of Halloween-themed specials. Arnold's Halloween from Hey Arnold. I honestly didn't even know about this episode until I started watching Hey Arnold for the podcast episode that I did a while ago. But now that it's now that I know it's out there, it's one of my favorite Halloween specials. Again, it's just it's not 
It's not as spooky as Interview with a Campfire from All Grown Up. That one is spooky and is very well done. This episode is less spooky, but still very well done. I still really appreciate the effort that went into making this, uh, this show, this special. So this episode starts with Arnold and Gerald watching... It's the X-Files, but it's not called the X-Files. I'm pretty sure it's called the Z-Files or something. But anyway, it was an episode about aliens, and all the adults in the boarding house are telling the kids how fake that show is, only to be sucked in when some other show comes on claiming to document the existence of aliens. UFO Tonight, starring Douglas Kane. So Grandpa comes in and he turns off the TV and he tells the boarders that it's time for them to plan their annual Halloween party. And Arnold asks if he and Gerald can come this year and Grandpa says the Halloween is serious business and the whole point is to scare people, so it's best left to the adults. So Arnold and Gerald decide that they're going to prank everybody at the boarding house Halloween party and they're going to use aliens because that was what they just watched on the TV. Um... Also, there's a B story about Bob Pataki believing the aliens are real and wanting to prove it to everybody, but that isn't really important until right at the end. But just know that while all of this is happening with Arnold and all the kids, Bob is trying to convince everybody that he's had a close encounter and that Douglas Kane knows what he's talking about. Again, not important until the end when the stories converge, but just know that that's happening in the background. So... Helga is telling all the kids that they're going to dress up as aliens for Halloween to go trick-or-treating as a big group. And there's some debate in, amongst the kids, but eventually they all decide to, like, concede with Helga. And she gives them a list of stuff to collect so that they can make all their costumes. And she asks Arnold and Gerald if they're in or not. Arnold says that they have plans for Halloween, but he doesn't tell anybody except Stinky. But that, that will come into play later. So he, uh, he does technically tell... Hello? Something just thudded in the house, and I'm assuming that Madison dropped her phone, but I don't know that to be sure, because <laughs> I also have heard the cats running. Okay, it doesn't sound like there's any movement outside my bedroom door, so I'm assuming that everything's okay. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. We are almost done, yo. We'll, we'll figure it out later. So, uh, Arnold does technically invite everybody over to the boarding house Halloween party, knowing full well what they're going that they're going to be dressed as aliens, but again, not really telling them what the plan is. He just says, hey, we're having a big Halloween party, why don't you guys come over? And he gives them, like, I think he tells them, like, five till seven or something. He gives them, like, a really weird but very specific time to come over. So, the Halloween a party comes, and the kids are all dressed as aliens, and meanwhile, Arnold and Gerald are set up on the roof of the boarding house getting ready for their Halloween prank. They're doing a War of the Worlds style radio show and they have cables run from the roof down into the boarding house so everybody at the party will hear their broadcast and they have it timed so right at the climax of their story the kids will come to the door dressed as aliens and everybody will be scared and then it'll be like haha happy Halloween <laughs> so but it turns out that not only did the boarders hear the fake radio show, but so did Douglas Kane, the TV star who's trying to prove that aliens are real. They trace the radio signal back to the boarding house and they send a camera crew over to investigate what's happening. So the kids knock on the door and the boarders are all scared because this radio broadcast sounds so real. And then they open the door and they see what they believe to be real aliens. So they all run out after the kids. And as the kids are running away, the camera crew pulls up and they get trampled. So back at the TV station, all they see is a really blurry close-up image of Harold dressed as an alien and it's all distorted so we just keep perpetuating the fact that all of this is real it all seems very real <laughs> the boys also covered the water tower outside of the city in Christmas lights and this is where Stinky comes in he's up at the water tower waiting for the signal to plug it in and when he does the power for the whole city goes out <laughs> so now we have this very convincing radio show a guy on the TV talking about it and sending camera crews out to document what's happening. Kids are running around dressed as aliens and being chased by an angry mob of people who think that they're real aliens. And now the power in the whole city is out. So Arnold and Gerald come down from the roof, having no idea that they've just caused mass chaos all over the city. They find Grandpa, who's loading up the car to get everybody out of the city. And when Arnold and Gerald explain that it was all a prank, uh, Grandpa's like, oh... Wow, yeah, that was a really good prank. He said, he says, uh, how did you, how did you get Douglas Kane to talk about it? And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's all over the news. The whole city's in panic. And they're like, ooh, that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> so this is the point where the two stories converge. So Bob Pataki is getting into his Hummer to wage war on the aliens and everybody is heading to the water tower. Everyone in the city thinks that the water tower is the mothership. So everybody is heading that way, including the kids, Arnold, Gerald, and Grandpa. And like basically the entire, well, 
most of the city, I would say, is heading that way. So when they all finally get to the water tower, Bob is ready to full-on murder his own daughter. Again, believing the kids to be real aliens. He picks her up just as someone launches a bomb that he rigged out of beepers at the water tower, and it washes the paint off of all the kids. And then he's like, oh... And he like he like sobers up very quickly where he's like, oh, crap, I almost just like snapped your neck because I thought you were a real alien. So Arnold and Gerald are finally able to explain everything to the people of the city. And grandma, who is like most of the time, if something goes wrong and like the boys screw something up, grandma is like the unsung hero that's like behind the scenes fixing everything. And this cannot be more true in this episode, because while everybody is like running around panicking, thinking the aliens are invading the world, grandma is running through the city trying to repair the power. So she's up at the water tower and she's like welding something. I don't know. Grandma has like a lot of really like obscure skills and apparently welding is one of them. So she's like welding a bunch of things, trying to get everything back together. And then she like flips a switch, like as everybody's like walking back into the city and she's like there we go happy halloween and then that's how the story ends <laughs> and yo let me tell you i love that episode that's a great halloween special all of these are good spooky episodes or halloween specials but if you're still in the mood for more let me suggest to you some full shows to watch whenever you're in a spooky mood whether it be now or you know in uh, whatever just let me give you some spooky shows uh, do y'all remember Scary Godmother? It was a special that aired on Cartoon Network every year for like 10 years or something like that. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. But let me just warn you that the animation does not hold up well. Honestly, that's the spookiest part of this whole special is the animation. It is scurry. Um, <laughs> I watched a video from the round table the other day and they pointed out how Hannah's eyes are huge while every other character has little dot eyes. And at the time I was like, oh, that's just to show that she's super young and innocent. But now that I think about it, those eyes haunt my dreams. He's right. They're so freaky. So yeah, a lot of stuff about the animation does not hold up very well almost 20 years later, but the story itself is very fun. Also, apparently there's a sequel that I didn't know about, but both are available on YouTube if you are if that's something that you're into if you remember that special being on Cartoon Network uh, next year I plan to do a full season on just anime and I plan to have Madison join me for like 90% of that because we've been watching a lot of anime together a few months ago when I got my wisdom tooth out I was tooth singular did y'all know did I, did I ever say that on the podcast um so it turns out that I only had one wisdom tooth like it just it it grew in the like in the back obviously the back of my mouth because that's where your wisdom teeth come in but like it, it grew in the back and it grew in sideways and so it was like pressing I had like three or four consecutive episodes of the podcast where like I straight up could not hear out of one ear and like my my whole face just hurt because it was just like creating so much pressure so I got that and okay so I was born apparently with only one wisdom tooth which when I asked the when I went in for the consultation uh they did the x-ray and the woman was like have you ever had your wisdom teeth out and I was like no and she was like huh okay she said well you only have one and I was like oh okay I said is that weird and she said no it's some people just only have one t one wisdom tooth so I don't know what that says about me but I only had honestly I thank god that I only had one because it took me like literally a full week to like recover from being under that anesthesia yo it wrecked me so like I literally had the day that I left I'm going off on a little side tangent but that's okay y'all are gonna get to know me a little bit better this episode uh like I, the day that I went to go leave to like come back to our apartment after I had stayed at my parents house for like three days it took literally like every ounce of energy in my being to haul myself up the stairs and pack my like pillow and toothbrush and come back down the stairs and then my brother had to drive me home <laughs> and when he pulled into our driveway he was like do you need me to walk you to the door and I was like no I think I can get it <laughs> and I like walked in the door and I just I that took every ounce of my strength and I I think I took like a four hour nap on the couch before I could finally get up and walk the like 40 extra feet back to my bedroom so anyway while I was staying at my parents' house, while I got my singular wisdom tooth out and then subsequently took a week to recover from being under anesthesia, I was watching The Promised Neverland on Crunchyroll because I had heard, um, 
I also, I follow a lot of, like, YouTube animators and stuff. Honestly, yo, let me tell you, I went to VidCon 2019 having no idea who, like, 99% of the, uh, YouTube animators were. Like, the only animator that I knew on YouTube at that point was Swoozy, and it's just because he's been around for so long. But now I know so many more, uh, like, I walked by the Odd Ones Out booth and had no idea what the heck that was. And now, like, he's one of the, like, channels that I watch the most frequently. Hello? Okay, cool. We're listening to some spooky sounds in the background and something just screamed loud AF. So... <laughs> But yeah, we walked by the Odd Ones Out booth and I had no idea who he was, but now he's like one of the, like, one of my most favorite YouTubers that I watch all the time. I didn't know who, I like, I had heard of Domix, but I hadn't started watching any of his stuff yet. I didn't know Illimation, I didn't know Foot of a Ferret, I didn't know any of them, but now I know all of them and they were all at Vid, I don't know if Domix was, but like, the rest of them were all at VidCon 2019 in one form or another and I, I could have walked right past them and not even known. Like, bruh, <laughs> what? So anyway, I'm just mad at myself for not knowing who, like, we went to VidCon and then, like, six months later is when I started getting into, like, Steven Universe and trying to convince myself that I need to start watching Adventure Time and, like, watching all these animators on YouTube and, like, that was around the time that we were supposed to be starting a podcast like a, a separate one and then madison was like why don't you start a podcast about animation because you like cartoons and i was like you know what that's a good idea and so that's when all this started and that's when i started getting into like the youtube animator i can't animate or like draw anything beyond like a stick figure sometimes my hearts look like butts <laughs> like i can't i can't draw but i enjoy watching people who can draw and animate and like make colors look pretty I, hello that didn't sound coherent at all but like i i enjoy it so anyway back into the whole reason of this podcast i'm like on the verge of swearing so like casually and i'm stopping myself <laughs> okay so uh i was getting my wisdom tooth out i was staying at my parents house and i stumbled across the promised neverland on crunchyroll I had heard about The Promised Neverland because there's an Illimation video where she says that that's one of her favorite anime. And so, bless. Shout out. Because, uh, yo, that, like, she gave, like, a two-sentence synopsis. And honestly, I was like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And then I, like, saw the cover art and I started watching the first episode and I was like, absolutely, yes, I am 100% in for this. Yo. So, I watched the entire like, and again, I was, like, still coming off of anesthesia, so I, like, kind of knew what was going on, but, like, it was really, like, it was one of the trippiest experiences that I've ever had in my entire life, because I'm still, like, kind of coming off of anesthesia, and I'm also trying to watch this show in Japanese and read the subtitles and, like, also follow along with the plot and what's going on, and, like, I got, I want to say, like, 85% of it, but then I came home, and, like, a couple months later, I was telling Madison that she should watch this show, and she was like, is it is there a dub anywhere? And I was like, I don't know, but I think it's on Netflix. So I looked on Netflix and I couldn't find it. And then we found it on HBO Max. So <laughs> if you are looking for the dub version, it is on Netflix US. I don't know why I couldn't find it that one day or if it just got added like the week after we finished watching it. I don't know. But it's on uh, Netflix US. It's on HBO Max. The dubs are, the dub is on both of those services. And then obviously the subtitled version is on Crunchyroll and I was honestly just psyched to have something else to justify my Crunchyroll subscription because for a long time I was just paying eight dollars a month to watch the reboot of Digimon Adventure which is also great if you're a fan of Digimon I, yeah I, I don't know if I want to say great I like the story but I also as like a long time fan of Digimon Adventure but like also a person who only watches Digimon Adventure and like I have not seen Tamers or uh what's the what's the season after tamers where they like become digimon like the humans become digimon no ma'am frontier digimon frontier i haven't seen any of that but like as someone who grew up watching digimon adventure i'm like okay with this story it's just they're moving everything so quickly but also so slowly at the same time and i can't figure out if i'm into it or not i'm i'm kind of into it but also like eh I'm just, I'm curious to see where they're going to take the story. So, The Promised Neverland. Yo. <laughs> I did so good, like, sticking to the script throughout this entire thing, and now we got to the end, and I'm just like, <laughs> Word vomit. Okay, so, anyway, I 
plan to do a full episode on The Promised Neverland, but it is the perfect show for Halloween. It's so spooky and creepy. It's a story about three kids in an orphanage. Well, there's more than three kids in this orphanage, orphanage obviously, but it's it, the, it, the main cast is like three kids, and they learn a deadly secret about their lives and what happens to them after they get adopted, and it's just, it's so good. I cannot, I'm not going to say any more about it than that because you learn what's going on like literally 10 minutes into the first episode. So if you're not hooked by episode like one or two, you're probably not going to get hooked. But uh, I was hooked uh, episode one. So <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think it's 12 episodes or something like that. Like 12 or 13 is not very many. So it's kind of a quick binge, but I just want y'all to be prepared for Isabella's lullaby because it's so beautiful, but it's also so dark. I love it so much. It's just like constantly stuck in my head and I'm constantly humming it. And again, I don't know what that says about me because, uh, the lullaby means a lot of different things to Isabella through the course of the show, but it's, perfect for Halloween and season two is supposed to drop in January so just look out for that very excited for that episode okay so as I mentioned before I did a whole episode of over the garden wall but the audio was crap so I didn't upload it but that is set during Halloween and it's spooky and it's a quick watch and a lot of it is meant to be ambiguous so you kind of have to come up with your own ideas about what stuff means and that was a lot of what we talked about in the episode that we recorded, but again, the audio is crap. So maybe like over the Christmas break, I can like mess with it a little bit and see if I can fix it, but I am not making any promises because it is, woo, it is not good. It is very sketch. So anyway, uh, it's on Hulu in the US and also on HBO Max. It's 10, 11 minute episodes. It takes less than two hours to watch the whole thing. And trust me, you want to watch the whole thing all the way through in one sitting to really like get the story. Honestly, maybe like twice, like watch it, watch it, definitely watch it all in one sitting, but like watch it and then like walk away for a couple of days and then come back and watch the whole thing again. Because I guarantee you, the more you watch it, the more you notice and the more you think about stuff. So I just, I, I cannot recommend Over the Garden Wall more. And I wish that I had, uh, if that we hadn't like messed up the whole audio for that episode, because that episode was geared to be very good, but hmm. <laughs> We did two full episodes on Infinity Train, and while it's not spooky per se, it's kind of dark, especially book three, and we need the support for this show right now. It's on HBO Max. Sign up for the free trial, watch Infinity Train, and then cancel the subscription. For a full rundown of the show, we have two full episodes about it. Go listen and go watch this show. Gravity Falls is also not super spooky, but The Mystery makes it a good watch for October or for summer, since it takes place during the summer. Again, I just did a whole episode about Gravity Falls. Listen to that episode and then go watch the show. Lastly, I want to say that if you haven't seen The Hollow on Netflix, season one would be my choice of seasons to watch for Halloween. It's so good, and it unfortunately got canceled earlier this year. Uh, it sucks, but we can still appreciate it. I did a full episode on The Hollow as well. I seriously love this show so much, and I'm so sad to see it be canceled, but I'm hoping that if enough people give it a chance, maybe Netflix will pick it back up, or it'll get picked up by another streaming service. I'm just kind of keeping my hope up for a revival series because I really want to know what happens uh, toward there to be a season three. I would want to know what happens to these characters. What are your favorite Halloween specials? Head over to Twitter and follow at Kelby underscore cartoons for updates about future episodes and all other forms of cartoon-related chaos. I'm also always looking for new cartoons to watch, and I would love to hear your recommendations. I didn't say this up top, but this is going to be my last episode of 2020. I had plans to do a whole season of adult animation for November, since there's so many good ones out right now, but after October, I really just need some time to breathe. Uh, the holidays are coming up, and I want to be really present for those and not worried about writing scripts and recording audio, so this will be 
the last episode of 2020. Uh, 2021 is slated to be an excellent year as far as this podcast goes. The first show that I plan to cover is Code Lyoko, and when I wrote that down, I remember it being really good, but every episode I watch makes me just want to roast this show, yo. Um, I'm really trying to hold back on that because I know this show has a really dedicated fan base, and I belong to that fan base, but at the same time, yo. <laughs> um, I... Like, okay, I wrote this, like, paragraph out, like, two days ago, and then today I watched season one, episode seven, and that's where things kind of start to, like, settle out, like, and they're kind of getting into a groove, and, like, things are making sense, so maybe I just needed to give it a little bit more time, because I've seen... I don't know if I've actually seen the show all the way through, but I've definitely seen up until the point where they introduce William. So, like, I've seen pretty far into it, and I know it gets better. It's just re-watching it this time, I'm like, ooh, what... <laughs> what's going on? They're, like, introducing a bunch of jargon that we're just supposed to know, and there's no explanation as to what's going on. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save all that for the actual episode on Code Lyoko, because I have a lot of notes written down. I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, so anyway, uh, thanks so much to everyone who's been listening the last few months as I figure out what I want this to be. I said in the Avatar episode that one of the reasons that I'm doing this is to try and find my people, people who also enjoy cartoons and animation. I'm trying to be more active in the animation community. I can't draw or animate at all, but I like to look at animation and appreciate it. So I've been trying to follow projects on Twitter and that's been really cool. So again, thanks for listening. If you know me in real life, thank you for listening to me talk about this almost exclusively for the last couple of months. And if you only know me on here, thanks for letting me keep you entertained. I hope I kept you entertained at least. So this is me, Kelby, signing off for the rest of 2020. Happy Halloween, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Let's all raise a giant glass of something on New Year's Eve and hope and pray that 2021 is better than 2020. I'll be back on January 9th with Code Lyoko, and I look forward to keeping you entertained for all of 2021. Thanks for listening, and Happy Saturday, or whatever day it is, whenever you're listening. Happy whatever, and I'll see you next year.